Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you on Zoom today, but I'm sitting or standing in the financial capital of the West that is the land bountiful. <laughs> kind of kind of outside of Salt Lake. Joined by the chairman, Brian Hunsaker. How are we doing, Brian? Doing well, Brett. Thanks. Great to see your face, brother. And the man from up north. Frozen tundra of Logan, Utah, Spencer Nelson. <laughs> we got some sun today. We it's 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 sunny and bright. We still got lots of snow. A little colder than where you guys are at. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. day. I'm in yeah. short sleeves. Gorgeous day today. Springs around the corner, which means baseball's around the corner, Spencer. And I know how you love. Actually, that's March Madness, right? Oh, forget about March Madness. I love 12-hour baseball games. I love them. Love them. I mean, it's just, I love a pitch every four and a half minutes. It's just awesome. There's a time clock now, brother. It's like it's like 35 seconds. My mother-in-law would say sarcasm is shallow and faithless, Spencer. So, no, March Madness is great, and I'm glad baseball season is starting for you, brother. Hey, appreciate that. Football, spring football, Brian. It's a beautiful time of year. Spring, to see the leaves come out, the weather change, but we still got about another month, month and a half. So we still and we still have some skiing ahead of us. Yes. Yes, we do. That's right. I'm still learning how to ski. I gotta gotta run in today, a couple runs in today. Um, can't tell you the resort, folks, because I've been sworn to secrecy here in, in the great state of Utah. I cannot tell you where, but it was amazing and no crowds. And I'm a terrible skier, but I'm getting better. Anyway, keep at it. You're going to do great. Um, thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to keep at it. Let's do a market update. Today is, uh, it, it is the 23rd of February. The year to date, the S&P 500 is up 6.83%, which is just a crazy start to the year. The NASDAQ, uh, believe it or not, is 6.62%. So it's trailing a little bit. Uh, and that's probably based on Apple, but Apple's kind of been kind of down to sideways. But that's where the market is. It's been a great start to the year. AI is the theme. Brian, any thoughts on the market as we started this year? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it has, it's been a good year. Markets have been strong. Uh, inflation has uh, got some worried. Uh, interest rates have kind of inched up a little bit this year, but you know, what's also been strong is the economy has remained pretty strong and, and uh, earnings have been really strong this year so far. So, you know, it's, it's, everything's kind of working pretty well, except for inflation is a little too hot, but it does seem like, at least it's way down from say a year ago. Yep. Yep. Uh, Spencer, any thoughts on the start to the year? No, uh, stronger than probably what most people expected. But like you said, technology is, has done well. It's interesting. Those numbers you gave on the NASDAQ, some of those companies, I mean, NVIDIA and other companies, not that we're endorsing any companies here, but have continued to rip roar higher and uh and markets have been good companies earnings earnings season has been good so let's let's talk about this thing they call the stock market okay 
because I, of course, I've got this big TV right in front of me and I stream CNBC on mute during the day. And they're talking about all sorts of things, right? Asset allocation, CPI, PPI, I mean, interest rates, the short end, the long end of the curve, all sorts of people come on and they talk about it. And I was thinking and having conversations with people and, and what they say is, I don't even know what the stock market is. I'm not investing in this. It's some distant glob of ticker symbols that go up and down every day. I'm not. Why would I invest in that when I can go buy a good um, plot of dirt or something like that? Right? So, Brian, the first question I have, and we're going to talk about three things today, and this is the first one. The first thing question that I have is, what would you tell somebody that's never invested in the stock market? What would you tell them to help them understand what the stock market is to then invest in? That's a good, yeah, great question, Brett. I mean, oh, the stock market is pretty simple. It's just a collection of businesses. And it's a way for your average person to have access to own these businesses through a market, to through financial markets. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't get the opportunity to buy some of these great, wonderful businesses that that uh, exist, here, like an Apple computer, a Microsoft. Uh, you know, we talked about Nvidia, wonderful businesses, and it gives people an opportunity to participate in grow and build their own wealth. You, you, if you look around in history, Rockefeller and, and uh, you know, Warren Buffett and the guy, like, you know, Bill Gates and Reed Hastings, you look at these people that have uh, built real wealth, they've done that by own, through owning a business, owning, having a business, starting a business, and then owning that business over a long period of time. And that it creates an opportunity for everybody to really participate, participate in owning a wonderful business and to be able to build and create wealth. Um, so what you're saying, and I'm going to, I'll, I'll give an example here is when you say the opportunity to own biz, a business, think of one of the most famous business owners right now, Elon Musk, he owns a handful of businesses, right? Um, he owns um, SpaceX, Tesla, all these all these companies, and doesn't own them, but owns part of them. How is is Tesla for him? His ownership within Tesla, something tangible that he can walk outside and he can say, "There's my ownership of Tesla." He can walk up to a plot of land and say, "There's my ownership." of Tesla or SpaceX, like, is that, can he do that with his shares that he owns? Well, he's one of thousands of shareholders. He, he owns a certain percentage of the shares and he's entitled to the profits of those shares that he owns, but he doesn't own the whole company. He, he's a part owner. And so those other shareholders have every bit, every much of uh, a right to their shares as he does his own shares. So absolutely, when you walk into a Tesla dealership and you're a shareholder of Tesla, you own a piece of that, you know, that business. Now, 
I'm not sure. I think d Tesla dealers are owned by Tesla. A lot of a lot of times in the automobile business, dealers are are owned by the source company. But I think yeah. Tesla are owned by the company. So yes, absolutely. It's it's real. Those are real assets. Uh, if you look at the if you look at the financial statement of Tesla, and there's a they they'll show a their balances, their cash balances, their uh, assets. If you're an owner of, of uh, Tesla, you know, and you say you own, if you own 1%, which you'd be very, very wealthy if you owned 1% of Tesla, but yeah. you know, you own 1% of the, the cash balances in the, in, in the company. So it's real. So, but why then, why do people, and maybe this is a question for you, Spencer, and let me set, set it up this way. I've got a lot of friends and family who are like this stock market, you know, glob that I mentioned earlier. I don't, I don't get it. Um, I'd rather just own a piece of land. Why is it so much easier to own real estate in people's minds than to go out and buy shares of Netflix and own Netflix? Yeah, I think I think the the physical nature that they can see the real estate. Now, I I love real estate as an investment, but to buy real estate just because you can see it and touch it instead of buying a share in a company is foolishness. Uh, if it's a good asset, it's a good piece of real estate, just like it is a good company to buy. Well, that makes complete sense. But I think, and I've talked to people, and there's a lot of people they love the tangible nature of real estate. And there's some ambiguity in terms of the ownership you have in a company. They, you know, I mean, back in the day, and Brian, you could speak to this probably better. They they issued stock certificates, and you would get your stock certificates, and that that's not done. It's all digital now, and so there's not physical forms that you can touch. So yeah, some people just love the tangible nature of I can go, I can drive by that building, or I can drive by that piece of land and say I own that. And it's just harder for them to drive by McDonald's if they own a share of McDonald's and say, I own, I own a piece of that. There's, there's something just challenging for some people to do it. And I, I, I mean, I don't mean to be too blunt, but that's a foolish reason to buy an asset just because you can hold it and touch it candidly. I, I think uh, one of the reasons that people struggle with owning a public security that's traded on financial markets is you get a price every day. And and where if you owned a private business, say you own a piece of land or a, a gas station or something like that, you're not getting a price every day. You're home, you're not getting a price every day. Almost now with Zillow and other services, you're yeah. probably getting one at least once a month. But, but I think that's also creates challenges for people, emotional, it's just difficult from a psychological standpoint to see the price go up and down every day and say, well, you know, it's rigged. It's, but it's not rigged. People, investors are just trying to determine what is the right price for an asset. And every day that can change. And sometimes markets get enthusiastic and really excited about the future prospects. And some, and some days they wake up and they get pretty depressed and pessimistic about yeah future prospects and prices go down. That's just the nature of it. it, it Brett, it's it's important to say, like I said, I love real estate. I love good assets, whatever they are. I'm, I'm agnostic when it comes to that. But to buy an asset just for that reason is what I mean when I say it's foolishness. There has to be deeper evaluation and understanding of why you're buying something. So I got one of those emails, Brian, 
in the in uh, last week, maybe this week, uh, that told me the value of my home since I bought it in 2010. Now, 2010, that was coming off the housing crash. Like I got a steal of a deal for my house. And uh, it's up in value since I purchased it 110%. That's good. That's really right? good. That's good. And I would say this is like most real estate. I think there's deals in real estate that are phenomenal. But by and large, most are like my house. 110%, you know, since 2010, that's great. The S&P 500 since 2010, same day I bought my house, is up 317%, right? So the advice to them is you're buying, um, not the advice, but the, the, the thought is you're buying pieces of businesses by buying shares. And if you be patient, those those businesses will produce earnings and your money money will compound over time. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean you don't have it. Yeah. Is, that, is that putting everything together? I think it is. It's funny though, as I'm hearing you describe your, your piece of property, your home, beautiful home, by the way. And, uh, but it's, but it's not a business. I mean, that's, that, that's also a major difference yes. between, between your home and owning a business the the opportunity you have by owning a business is that business is managed by professional hopefully they're good managers but that business generates revenue and generates profits and they reinvest and go out and buy more assets You're, that opportunity doesn't really exist in a by owning a home it's a it's a growing entity that is investing yeah. and investing and hiring and trying to grow where your home is is kind of a stagnant asset. I mean, kind it, of a, it's a it's a sunk cost, Brenner. You know, you've done renovations, you've paid the bills, you've done all yeah. those things. Now it's a now obviously it's increased if, if it in value. If it was rental, though, it would be different because it's yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but even then, but it's fine. still not it's still not like a a business. That Tell you're me this, be okay? I go up skiing today. I pull in the parking lot of this beautiful resort and right next to me parks Reed Hastings, the, the CEO of, or, or not the CEO anymore, but the founder of Netflix. The dude's worth $5 billion, okay? That $5 billion can he touch? Probably some of it. I mean, he just bought the resort I was at, so you can touch that. But most of it is, is just shares within Netflix that he created. Brian, tell me what the growth rate on Netflix from earnings? Do you know over the last 10 years or so, how much is is Netflix growing their earnings compared to, because a good well, real estate, Spencer, the good so, real estate rental would be what? Annually. I mean, there's, such a huge, there's, there's a huge variation on that, like a townhome or like a, a real commercial development. I mean, there's such a variation on that. I probably can't give you a good answer there. On a, just say a townhome, you're renting out a couple sides of the town or something. Oh, I mean, with depreciation and stuff, interest rates right now. I mean, you're in the single digits for sure. Uh, it's hard to make okay. a profit if you were if you if you bought stuff pre-COVID, and uh, and and over a few years, you're definitely in the double digits and maybe even twenty percent a year. You know, but yeah, pretty good. So what's what's Netflix growing their earnings at? 
I was going to way underestimate. So the 10 year revenue growth on Netflix. Now, this is just revenue. I'll tell you earnings here. Ended 1231 of 2023 was 22.66%. That's top line growth. Earnings uh, was over 40%, 47% 10 year annualized growth. Tell me. Annualized. That's that's a good business. And by the way, Reed Hastings, very nice guy. We talked for just a second. Very, very nice guy. Well, hey, He's, right but compare those. Like, yeah, nothing to, you, I mean, yeah, that's incredible numbers. And also, let, I mean, what in a townhome or a residential property, uh, you, you, there might, things might not go perfectly, right, Brian? Uh, you might have a fire or you might have a rental. Tell us what happened, Brian. I mean, what happened in your yeah. rental? Well, my brother and I are managing our parents' rental property. They have a couple of rental properties. My parents are getting older and we're managing it for them. And we got a call this week from the management company that said there was a fire and that there was <laughs> That's tons not of damage. Funny, but it's funny because why is it funny, Brett? Brian, have you ever gotten a call from one of the companies that you own a share in saying, hey, you got to come down here and clean up after this fire? No, no. Yeah, I mean... I, I'm not so sure about uh, private ownership of rentals. I'm I'm kind of <laughs> got a sour taste in my mouth about that. There's there's I, a lot of people that have been very successful, but it's a lot more hands on, and and there's problems that do, usually don't come from owning a share of Apple or or American Express or some other publicly traded company. Yep, yep. If people if people would just understand what they can buy in the public market. Right. I mean, there's some insane businesses that you can buy that are way better than most real estate opportunities, although there are good opportunities, but better than most. So, all right, Spencer, here's the next question. If somebody says, OK, I like Netflix, I, you know, they had some good series. I want to buy Netflix. I don't know how to do it. And they got this wad of cash <laughs> that they want to throw in the market. What what would you tell people to, because a lot of it is like, okay, what account should I open? There's IRAs, there's Roth IRAs, there's individual accounts, there's trust accounts. What am I doing, Spencer? Where am I putting this money? Like, tell tell great, us where to do that. Yeah, it's a great question. And like you said, there's different types of accounts. Mainly there's three types of accounts. There's Pre-tax accounts are what are called qualified accounts, and that's where money goes in before taxes get paid on it. Now, there's taxable accounts, which are just normal investment accounts like a bank account, but instead of just sitting in money in that account, it's an investment account that you go and buy these shares of these companies. And then there's post-tax accounts, or Roth accounts is what we call them, Roth IRAs, and Roth 401ks, whatever it is that you're using. And that's where you pay the taxes up front and then you never pay taxes on that growth again. Now, having a strategy for where you're going to allocate that money really, really matters. And I'm gonna why tell is, a story. Why does it matter so much? Like I, the, I'm gonna tell a story to just show you how much it matters, yeah. okay? Uh, recently did a financial plan for someone and uh, working class family, great people. Um, is saving $36,000 a year into a taxable account, meaning that money is available to them at any point in time. 
It grows. When they sell a share in a company, they have to pay a long-term capital gains, but they have access to it. And, and usually long-term capital gains are going to be lower than what their uh, actual tax bracket, their earned income tax uh, rate is going to be. So, so we looked at what they were doing. Well, one of them had the availability to uh, contribute to a, uh, a qualified account through work. The other one was doing that. One of them had the opportunity to do that. And so we showed them look, you're contributing 36,000 into this just taxable investment account. That's awesome. But if we can shift part of that into your work qualified account, um, then all of a sudden you have $8,000 more because of the tax savings. So by contributing part of that into this qualified account, they're going to bring down their taxes by $8,000. And then that extra $8,000, we were going to put into a Roth account for them. So if you can be efficient with where you're allocating money, it may sound like magic, but you can have more money to invest on the front end, have it grow and compound, and then have more money at the end result. I, I, I promise we're not promising, we're not saying we can create money out of thin air, but that money was going to go to the government. And now that money's going to stay in your pocket and then go into another account to be invested. So it, it was a perfect example, candidly. I told Matthew on our financial planning team, we were doing it together. I said, that was that was a perfect example of what a financial plan can do pe for people. It can it can create money that they didn't know it was there and then invest it. And, and that extra $8,000 a year, they're going to be able to do that for 20 years, 8,000 yes. compounding at, uh, you know, 7%, 8% conservatively over 20 years. I mean, you're talking close to half a million dollars. Maybe No, I can't remember the exact number, but over a half a million dollars. Wow. So this is the, this is, this is the part that's hard for people and they need help. Um, and we've got fina a financial planning team that's phenomenal at it. Spencer and Brian, you, 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 you say the same thing. Spencer, this is why he's our CFO of our firm is because he looks at this, this pile of money. Right. And he's got all these different types of accounts. Okay. Well, if I put this here, I can put more money in this account, which then saves me money here. I mean, your ability to spot stuff like that, Spencer, is and Matthews as well, is is phenomenal. So, so what you're saying then in in summary is there is a a method to the madness of, of investing, meaning invest in these types of accounts first and then invest in these ones later if the goal is retirement, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, it all depends on the goal. And that's where sitting down and understanding what someone's goals are, but then we can figure out the allocation of what, where to place money into what account to be as efficient as possible. It's going to be different for a lot of people. I mean, it, it, there's profiles of people, right? But but your situation may be a little different than mine. You want to go buy a ski resort with Reed Hastings. That's going to take a little money. And so we're going to allocate more towards this type of account because you need access to it towards Brian, who's going to work till he's 95 years old. And so, it does. I mean, he's just going to keep, keep putting money in his 401k forever. And so... It, it it just varies, but it 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 just makes so much sense to do it. And and candidly, 
that's what we love to do. I don't know why our brains are wired that way, but that's what we love to do. And a client told me the other day, I was talking to her on the phone. She said, I'm so glad you like to do this because this is miserable for me. And that, she was like, I'm glad you do it for me. And I'm like, we do. And that's it. But it, it keeps so much more money in people's pockets. And then on the back end as well, is it can save people money on their in their pockets if we've done it correctly. Yep. Yeah, it's funny that she would say that because guess what I would say too? You hate this stuff. <laughs> I like I like managing money. Yeah. When I get a client that emails me and say, hey, this 401k, this, where should I put this money? I've got some cash. Forward. Spencer. Spencer. Can you... <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Brett, you and I are both the same way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spencer, it. please. Thank you for taking one for the team. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad like he, it. It's great. he likes it. Thank you. I, I we we appreciate it. That this leads to our our third thing of the day, right? So understand what the market is. Invest in the right type of accounts in the market. Buy the best businesses in the world, and I would say let us do our job. Okay, and what? So what do I mean by that? Is we have I've had a lot of conversations recently with clients as we're doing annual reviews. And these conversations, Brian, you had one today, and I'm sure Spencer's had them as well. And I get, I'm looking at their numbers, right? And there's one common theme in, with these clients is they like to have input on how to manage the, the money that they have. And it's their money. And if they want to tell us, hey, don't own this stock or own this stock, or I want dividend only stocks, that's their prerogative. It's their money. We'll work with them. But I'm, I'm, I've got really frustrated this last week because I'm looking at the returns of almost all clients that have input on how to manage their accounts. And the, the theme of the performance on those accounts where they drastically underperformed the clients who just let us go do our thing, right? Brian, you had that same conversation with a client recently um, have you seen the same those same things as you've reviewed portfolios? I would generally yes, I I would agree with that. I, th I think sometimes people um, are influenced by their neighbor, say, "Hey, I bought this stock. You should buy this stock." And I don't, I I I worry that they're not making a a fundamental business decision based on good fundament, you know, business fundamentals of why you buy a business. First of all, do they do they understand the business? Second of all, is is it a good business? Is it does it have competitive advantages? Do do they know anything about management? And is the price reasonable? And I think if you were to ask almost every client that comes into us and say, "Hey, I, I would like to buy this stock. Or I'd like to you know not buy this," but they couldn't they couldn't explain to us any one of those four things there about you know business. Yeah. competitive advantage management and price. And, and so I think that's really important to understand. And if, and if you don't understand that, then, you know, be careful because I think it's a lot of times, I mean, the, the reason why we have our process is because we're trying to eliminate the probability of losing money. I mean, that's ultimately what it boils down to. And if you don't follow a process, you're, I think you're taking a big risk. Yep. Yeah. The other thing I would, I would add to that is in, and I'll tell you my experience skiing today, I'm a new skier. Like this is probably the sixth or seventh time I've been. And I do pretty good at the top of the resort, um, meaning going down the hill. But today, like the the easy run that I was on 
would merge with a hard run. And there's tons more people on that harder run because they're better skiers than I am. But I would freak out at the bottom of the hill. And, oh, crap, here comes everybody. I don't want to hit anybody. And so guess what would happen, Brian? Crash. I'd fall. Yeah. I'd fall. I fell so good one time today. It was fantastic. But why did I fall? And my wife kept saying this, who's been skiing since she was two years old. Why are you afraid? Like, trust yourself. And I feel like another reason why clients like to have some say in how we manage their portfolios is they're afraid, right? How many treasuries do we own going back in these clients accounts, going back to 2022, simply because they were afraid. Like I was falling at the ski resort. Nope. You got it. You, you trust the process. You say, Hey, Brett, Brian, Spencer, I trust you. Do your thing. Don't worry about taxes. Don't worry about anything. Just go. And those clients, they're not falling as much like I was on the resort. And their returns are typically much higher if we're doing our thing. Spencer, I don't know if you've seen that in the conversations that you've had. Yeah, I, I agree. I think fear, uncertainty. Sometimes there is excitement around something that they hear from a neighbor or an idea or something like that. And um, it, it really is the process follow the process. And, and typically those that have been fearful and don't want to get into the market, come back and say, let's just get in the market. And eventually, you know, but it's, yeah. it's after the market's run 5%, 10%, 15% already. And, and they're just follow the process, trust the process. And uh, we're not going to be perfect for sure. We're never going to be perfect, but there's a track record of 24 years now um, of Iron Gate of that process producing some really good returns. And so yeah. we'll stick with it. Our and, goal is to come remember, yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just was going to say, just add on to Spencer, just that it's, it's a long-term process. You know, this, this investing game, we're not in the game of trying to get, you know, get rich quick. That's risky. That's like going to Vegas. We're, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to identify great businesses and own them over a long period of time. And, I think it's a great process to build and create wealth over time, but it, it is a long process. It's like watching grass grow. You just, one day you wake up and say, oh, the grass needs to be cut, but investments is the same way, yeah. you know? And so just let the process work. And when that process works, you should see some of the text between Brian Spencer and I. It, most of our text as it relates to clients are, Holy cow, look what we've been able to do for this client. They're so grateful for the not just the the one doubling of their money, but the, the, the three, the four, you know, as time passes. That's what we want to do. And I was getting frustrated this week as I look at clients. Like my wife was frustrated with me skiing today of falling down, right? Of letting fear take over. And you know, I just got to follow the process and let us do our job. So. Well, and part of it, Bretter, you're going to fall down. If, if if you're going, you're going to fall down. And I, I mean, metaphorically yep. speaking, guess what, people? I mean, everyone, your accounts are going to go down at times. It's just, it's going to happen. Brett, you're going to fall. Your accounts are going to go down. But if you stick with it, what's going to happen, Bretter? I'm, I'm not going to guarantee the Olympics, but you're going to be a decent skier. 
And what's going to happen in people's accounts? I'm not going to guarantee crazy, crazy returns, but I'm going to I'm going to say that there's a good chance your account over long run is going to continue to grow just like things have over the last hundred years. Yep. Yep. Well said. All right, my friends, those are the three topics, round robin topics of the day. What is the stock market, right? Why should I invest? Where should I invest? And Spencer is the, the, the king at figuring that out. And then, hey, how and who should invest my money? And obviously we're biased there, but we think Iron Gate does a pretty darn good job of doing that. So uh, any last words before we uh, wrap it up? No. Hey, thanks. It was a good discussion. Yeah, good to see you, boys. What do you think the market's going to do next week, Brian? Because we all know <laughs> that one week is the most important time frame. All right, let me flip a coin. I'll tell you. Hold on. <laughs> all right. Hey, appreciate it, everybody. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye now. See ya.